Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. All right, so we're going to be reading from Acts 1, 1 through 11. So either on the screen or if you have a Bible app, all that stuff. So, all right. In the first book, Theopolis, I wrote about all, the, all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me, from John baptized with holy water, with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this a time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods the Father has set by his own authorities, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, they were, they were watching he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This, Jesus, who had been taken away from you into heaven, will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. Scripture God for people of God. Hey, y'all, how are you? Woo! (laughs) Yeah, now I am, Uh, and I don't even need coffee. Uh, Good morning, everyone. I'm Brittany, and uh, pastor here today. Um, Becky, thank you for your testimony. Where are you? Yeah, thank you. That's... uh, We have so many great stories to share as a community and I appreciate your vulnerability and honesty. And it's like um, I paid you to gloat about the Enneagram, which is going to be our next sermon series. So just great intro. I love the way God works there. Um, So starting next week, we're going to have a three-week sermon series on the Enneagram. So it's going to be really fun for me at least. (laughs) Um, Let us begin this time with prayer. Holy and gracious God, you have given us the gift of your holy word. In it, we find meaning and purpose and vision for this great dream of yours. In this time, help us to remember that we don't just get to watch it from afar, 
but that you have called us to be participants, to be witnesses in this great work. Open our hearts and our minds, move our bodies to do your work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So when I was a sophomore year in a sophomore in college, uh, my boyfriend at the time was one of the managers for the women's basketball team. And that meant that on occasion we would get really good seats uh, to the men's game, to the women's games, which is cool because I really like watching college basketball. Who doesn't, right? Um, so one night we were cheering our men on to victory when my boyfriend's boss got, or my boyfriend got a call from his boss, like, or like not a call, nobody had cell phones back then because I'm old. Um, the boss came over <laughs> and uh, kind of whispered in his ear and, when he, and he turned to me and he said, uh, so we're having a halftime show emergency. Uh, the person who was supposed to be here and dress up as a giant peanut M&M has not showed up. And now it's five minutes until halftime and we have a costume, but we have nobody to wear it. Brittany, <laughs> can you help us out? Now, I'm in Enneagram 2, the helper, so of course that's like music to my ears. Yes, I can. How could I say no to dressing up like a giant peanut M&M? So I uh, stepped up to the job. I went to the dressing room. I found my costume, pale yellow arms with white gloves, pale yellow legs with big oversized shoes, and this hard, crunchy candy shell. (laughs) I didn't have a mirror in that dressing room, but I knew I looked amazing. Um, And so as I made my way down the steps of the arena, I heard the announcer um, announcing me, not me like Brittany, but me like, here's our giant peanut M&M. And so my job during the halftime show was to basically stand on my mark, uh, which was half court, center court, and wave and wave. And uh, then they uh, asked everybody to look at their tickets. And um, four people had the lucky numbers and they were invited to come on down and participate in the halftime show. Everybody was given a paddle. And I don't think they make box M&Ms anymore, do they? But it was the time where they had like the box M&Ms. And people had to balance the box and then walk down to the center court around me and race back. And whoever got their first won. Um, They won, I think, something like a year's worth of M&Ms or something. I don't know. Um, And now, as I was thinking about this story, uh, I realized, like, I think I got a duffel bag, a Snickers duffel bag out of the deal. Like, not only the glory of dressing up as an M&M, but I got a Snickers duffel bag. Anyway, I was thinking about this memory this week as I was reflecting on the scripture passage, and you're like, how did that work, Brittany? M&Ms... Jesus' ascension. Um, The reason I was thinking about it is because I see in this story that Jesus calls his disciples from being a spectator, enjoying the show, to actively participating in it, to be a, um, a witness to it, right? I went from being the spectator of watching the men's basketball game to a participant in the show. And I think this is what we are called to do as Christians. Disciples, they've been enjoying this post-resurrection show, right? For 40 days, they've been eating and drinking and soaking up every word that Jesus has to say. 
He's instructed them not to leave Jerusalem. And so at their very last dinner, they may not have known it was going to be their last dinner, but at their very last dinner, they came together and they asked, Master, are you, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? The kingdom to Israel now? Is this the time? Now notice they, they are spectators here, right? They're, they're watching and listening to everything that Jesus does and they are saying, are you going to do this, Jesus? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus tells them, uh, you don't get to know the time. What you do get in this deal is the Holy Spirit. You get the Holy Spirit so that you can, so that you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, so locally, and all over Judea, Samaria, and even, even to the ends of the world, Jesus says. So this gift of the Holy Spirit that we celebrated last week, that is our call. That is our invitation to move from spectators of this gospel life to participants, to witnesses in sharing this gospel life with others. I like what the author of Luke does in this passage. In 1.8, Jesus says, you will receive a power from the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And as you work your way through Acts, which I gotta say, if if you're new to the Bible or if you're um, new again to the Bible, Acts is a really fun book to read through. There's a lot of action, um, a lot of things going on and um, that if, if you wanna start a Bible reading practice but you don't know where to begin, Acts is a really fun book to start. And, and we just read the very first chapter very first verses, so you're, you're on your way. Tomorrow you can start up with uh, verse 12. But anyway, in Acts 2 that we read last week, we see that Jesus, that, um, that what God did was start in Jerusalem. God started locally right there. And then, um, and then what happens is when you read through Acts, they actually do go to Judea next and Samaria. And by the end of Acts, uh, in chapter 28, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is actually preaching in Rome, which in Luke's time would have been the ends of the earth, right? So this whole book goes from local to global. Isn't that kind of cool? Okay, enough Bible nerd stuff. Now, it's easier to hear a story of someone moving from spectator to participant, reading it in scripture, than to actually do it, Right? It's easier to keep our faith to ourselves than to actually witness to what God is doing in our life, especially if you don't even know how it's going to be received, right? Like, it's hard enough to come here and give, raise your hand if it's hard to give test, if you, if you have given testimony and you're like, oh man, it was one of the hardest things I've done, yeah. Raise your hand if you've given testimony and you're like, oh, that was so easy, I don't know why anybody, yes, no, no, nobody is raising their hand right now. Even in a community of faith where you know that we're speaking the same language, it's still intimidating to get, but that's one of the reasons we do it, so that we can practice, practice in a safe space, so that when we get out into the real world, because this ain't the real world, when we get out into the real world, we, we have practiced, practice giving witness. Um, so it's, it's, it's hard enough to do it here, it's even harder to be witnesses out into the world. 
So I want to share just two ideas of, of um, sharing faith um, that I kind of thought about over this um, last week, um, and then we'll, I'll share a final story. So the first, the first idea is to take risks and to meet new people and allow the relationships to be reciprocal, right? So take risks to meet new people and allow those relationships to be reciprocal. When I uh, worked at Starbucks, uh, I spent a majority of my free time volunteering at my church or hanging out with my friends from church or hanging out with Monica's friends from work, and she worked as a hospital chaplain, so people of faith. Um, And I got to this point where I looked around at my friendship circles, and I realized that it was kind of boring. I had surrounded myself with people who looked like me and thought like me and believed like me. And that's good, right? There's some safety in that. It's good to have a community where you can just completely be yourself. But um, it's not the full world, right? So I looked around and I was like, why am I not hanging out with my manager friends at Starbucks? And I decided to kind of actively engage in this community, these folks that um, I was friendly to but not friends with. Um, And this meant that I got to go to a lot of happy hours after work. Starbucks managers enjoyed drinking things other than coffee. Um, Now, none of my friends ended up ever joining me at church. That's not the goal, actually. None of my friends ever actually ended up joining me at church. But in that friendship circle of people that were very different from me, had different ideas, different thoughts, different backgrounds, I became known as the spiritual one. (laughs) And when things were difficult, that became a place where people would come to me and I could share my faith. This taking risks to meet new people It can happen on an individual level like that, but it can also happen as a community and uh, from organization to organization. So as uh, I don't don't get much say around here for much longer, but I want to kind of plant this seed and name this as, as you all think about ways to continue to grow as a congregation in the next couple of years, I want to invite you as a community to prayerfully discern what areas in this neighborhood you want to connect to service work. Um, Our anti-racism audit team named that one of the things that we want to do is to prioritize partnering with organizations where the leadership is of people of color and or the organization is accountable to people of color. That's a really great opportunity to meet up, to be rooted into this neighborhood, to meet new people, to have reciprocal relationships. And so I I just want to throw that out there. Like, who is this community going to partner with? Who do we want to be accountable to? How are we going to take those risks to build relationships and grow deeper into this neighborhood? Now, I say this... um, in an evangelism sermon, right? We're in this evangelism sermon series. But did you write this? 
It's a great sermon series, was it not? Let's hear it for Pastor Aaron, who wrote this sermon series. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So I say these words about partnering in the midst of an evangelism sermon series, and I want to be clear, though. We don't engage in service work as a um, and intentionally partner with, uh, with organizations because our only goal is to convert people to Christianity. I want to be really clear about that. Um, we serve and we build reciprocal relationships because this is what Jesus did, right? Um, Jesus embodied what it means to be human, and he made relationships with all sorts of people, right? And so that's why we do this. And yes, there might be times where in that overlapping, we... And rooted in humility, we, we are able to share our faith. But that's not the end goal. So this word humility brings me to my second point, which is to allow for humility and vulnerability in these mutually reciprocal relationships. So when we envisioned this sermon series, we talked about evangelism from a was it post-colonial perspective. We know what the old school evangelism looks like, right? Um, And um, I think many of us have come from these backgrounds, I'll call it extreme evangelism, (laughs) where we think that um, it's more like coercion than good news. Anybody come from that background? Yeah, I see some smiles like, oh yeah, that was my background. So to compensate then, we we come from one side, and then to compensate, we go to the completely other side sometimes, and we hide behind that misattributed quote of St. Francis of Assisi that misattributed, like not true, like he didn't say it, preach the gospel at all times if necessary, use words. So we go from this one like, oh, I'm going to share my faith and make everybody believe in Jesus to, I'm not saying nothing, right? When in reality, there has to be a middle ground, right? Where we are able to talk about our faith um, because it's just part of who we are. And if we, if we shut that down, then it's severing a deep part of who we are. And I think the answer to that middle ground is humility, vulnerability, and reciprocity, right? Mutual relationships. One person that I think uh, models this very well is writer Anne Lamott. Um, For those of you that don't know her, she too was raised by atheists. (laughs) She too, um, or not in a house of faith, I should say, Um, She, too, was caught up in cycles of addiction, and she writes about how one time in the mid-'80s, she was hungover, she was recovering physically and and emotionally from an abortion when she felt the presence of Jesus. She said it was kind of like a mewling alley cat (laughs) out your back door. (laughs) I love her. Yeah, (laughs) Rihanna. And she said that she let Jesus in. Can't you just see that, like this mewling alley cat, and you're like, okay, I'll let you in. Um, And she said about a week later, she made her way to a Presbyterian church. And in all of her writing, she, she writes very openly and shares about her faith, but never does it feel like she's saying, if in order to be a good Christian, you have to be just like me. 
or you have to follow this set of beliefs or these sets of behaviors. Um, there is humility and vulnerability and a good bit of humor in all that she writes about. So the goal of faith sharing isn't to convert every person we meet. It is to just be ourselves and to share at times what Jesus is doing in our life and to not be ashamed of that. I, uh, next, next weekend, I'm going to be doing a, um, I'm going to be co-celebrating a Hindu Christian wedding, which is really, I'm very excited about it. Um, and as I was talking with the couple, the, um, um, the man is Hindu and the woman is Christian, and I was, we were talking about ways that I could be very respectful to um, the Hindu tradition, uh, tradition not wanting to um, coerce anything, not wanting to overstep my boundaries. And I think I was almost doing it a little bit because it a little bit too much, because at one point the, the woman said, but we do want you to talk about Jesus, right? We do want you to, to name the Christian tradition. And as I was thinking about that, I was like, yeah, right? Like, there is a way where we can name both of these traditions and honor them, and, and to, to raise one up in this moment does not mean we're putting this one down in the next, right? We can hold both of these traditions um, and see that God is moving in both of them, right? So it's not to cut out part of who we are in all of our relationships. It's to name this is who I am, and it doesn't demean anybody else, right? That's, that's good evangelism. So I want to end with this story that I think is, is rooted in um, Beginning where you are, Jesus says, start with Jerusalem, right? So start with where you are. So this story begins with where you are, and it's a way of lifting up your story, but not disavowing any others. A couple of years ago, Santa, do you want to raise your hand so everybody knows who I'm talking about? <laughs> um, don't worry, she already knew I was going to talk about her, so... Um, a couple years ago, Santa uh, told me that she'd been to this event called Outspoken. Has anybody been to that? Yeah. So on the first Tuesday of every month at Sidetrack, um, there is, um, it's just like a storytelling gathering. There's usually six story, three stories in intermission, another three stories. And um, it's stories from all over the LGBTQ community. And she said, you know what, I'm, I'm working on a story that I'm going to tell on such and such date, and it's about my integration of my identity, right? Like to be um, both gay and Christian and, um, and, and how that kind of comes together, right? And she's like, there, this isn't the point of the story, but I am going to be talking about UVC at one point because that's part of this story. And she... Um, she told her story. I wasn't there, but I heard it was amazing. No, I saw it, though. I saw it. You had it on uh, Facebook. And it was amazing, and um, people came up to her afterwards, and they were um, so excited to hear that they could be both gay and Christian. Um, they were so excited to hear that there was a community that would allow that, not, uh, not just allow it, but... Um, not have a problem with it, right? What did you say? Celebrate. celebrate it. Thank you. That's the word. Celebrate it. Um, and 
man, how awesome is it to like just share the good news with a community that has not heard it always, that God loves them and celebrates them in all of their queerness. So what did she do there? She took a risk and met new people. She was vulnerable and humble and had a reciprocal, mutual relationship with people, right? Um, Outspoken is actually a place where we've had several folks tell their story. Have you, Aaron? No, okay. Next week, right? No. <laughs> um, I know uh, Jackie Mosley Pastrana, who was from this community, has, and Jen Henry, and, and David Quinn actually did it on this. Yeah. Yeah. So that was probably a little seed that got planted. No, for real, right? Like, that was a little seed that got planted in David's... Who? Oh, Leslie Smoke. Okay, yeah, okay. Nice. Yeah, there you go. Who? Jerry, that's right, Jerry. And the, folk, the thing is, folks... Uh, People that are sharing their stories, they're not doing it. They're not, it's not like we're trying to be a seed in a community and like the goal is to get everybody to accept Jesus Christ as their personal savior and come to UVC, right? The goal is for me to share fully who I am and out of, out of being rooted in that fullness of myself, people will understand a bigger expression of God and what God can do, and what is possible with God, right? So there was, um, I, I was looking at the Outspoken page, and one of the like, critics or reviewers said this about Outspoken in general. Not about, he might have said it about Santa's story, I don't know, but just about Outspoken in general. He said the room was abuzz after people introduced themselves to the storytellers, hugged them, and thanked the MCs. It was truly great to be part of it even just as an audience member. And I was caught about that even just as an audience member thing. Because you and I know that we are called to more than just being an audience member. Not just to watch, but to participate in sharing this good news, right? We are called, guys, this is like, one of the most fantastic things ever, we are called in our baptismal covenant, a gift from the Holy Spirit, we are called to give witness to this love that will not let us go. What could be better than that? Amen. <laughs>